Marie, host of the Building Abundance Success Series. Our primetime mastermind that promotes empowered focus, decisive action, and inspired outcome. Our spotlight is on innovation, and my guest is Regina Griffin. She's an executive producer, and she's also an Emmy Award winning news producer formerly with CBS News and is currently executive producer of Sunday morning programming at WUSA-TV. Through a downturn in her life, she became entrepreneurial, innovative, and gave birth to Brown Babies, which she is the executive producer of The Michelin Kinder Story. It is a powerful new documentary which tells the story of six so-called Brown Babies born in post-war Germany. Born to German women and African-American soldiers as illegitimate, biracial, bicultural children, they are most often misunderstood, felt unloved and unwanted. The six so-called brown babies tell their story, and it's a remarkable piece of history with compelling stories of the children and their birth parents. This documentary has garnered a lot of praise from HBO's Best Documentary, CNN-sponsored American Black Film Festival, and uh, it is just an awesome piece of history. To find out more about Brown Babies, go to Facebook. Brown Babies, the Michelin Kinder Story. Great piece of history you'll enjoy. Good evening. Wonderful to have you here. You're an uh, Emmy Award-winning producer, director. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, my background is in, is primarily in news. I have been a local news producer, a network producer, show producer, field producer, special projects producer, just about every kind of uh, producer you can be in the news business mm-hmm. I've been. Um, most of my career I spent in Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, I lived there for about 14 years. Um, and then I lived and worked in New York City at CBS News, and I was there for a year, and I have been um, in Washington, D.C. Washington, for the past year. Wow. What brought you into the news business? Was it something that you always longed to do? You know what? I've always loved television. I've always loved writing, watching, the creativity part of of television. Um, my dad, however, worked in news, and I really had no interest in going into news business, but I love going to the TV station. I love going to the control room and watching the live shows. It was just something that always appealed to me. I always thought that I'd be involved in more entertainment-type um, programming. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, for years my dad kept saying, go to the University of Missouri and study journalism. Mm-hmm. And... One day I just just said, okay, I'm going to do that and and study producing, and I did. I went to the University of Missouri, got my master's degree in broadcast journalism. Um, I concentrated in producing, and it was like it was the perfect fit. It was the job that suited me better than anything I could ever have imagined. Um, the combination of um, the editorial decision-making in newscast, um, producing a show in terms of organizing it, the creativity part of it, the writing, it just complemented everything that I enjoyed doing. And it was it was just the, the, the perfect fit. And um, I produced newscasts for about 13 years. Just, just absolutely loved it. Now, in those newscasts, I wanted to ask, what's the 
story that stands out the most for you in those years? I would have to say one of the the most life-changing story for me as a news producer, and, and granted, after a while, you know, you do... News stories come in cycles. You know, when it's cold, you do the snow stories. You do the, you know, the icy roads. When it's hot, you know, there's just certain stories that you do year-round, Black Friday. But there was this one story that just really hit me and hit me hard. Uh, When I was in Chicago, there were a group of children who were left living in in squalor. And um, it was maybe about eight to ten siblings, siblings, cousins, they were all related. And it was just one of those just horrible stories when you saw the home. It was just, you know, unlivable conditions. Some of the children were disabled. They were all very, very young, like toddlers, infants, little kids. And that story just really affected me like none other. Um, And... Not only as a journalist did it just like really, you know, was it just a, a, a an amazing story of of what what happened, but it triggered me to start um, volunteering, and I ended up actually volunteering at a, a it was sort of a I'll call it a shelter, but it was like a temporary emergency housing place where children, when they were taking out of those types of living conditions. Um, and it was the place that they went before they were placed in foster care. Mm-hmm. And I ended up volunteering at the place where some of those children were taken um, for years. Wow. And it changed your life? It, it really did, because not only professionally was it just such a powerful story, but personally I felt like I needed to do something. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, those stories can grip your heart and actually, you know, change you for the better. You um, have a provocative documentary about children and um, and reading a little bit about it, HBO's Best Documentary Finalist, and uh, you also have the uh, American Black Film Festival's attention sponsored by CNN. We won the winner of the Best Documentary there. I want you to talk about this uh, provocative documentary. Well, it's it's called Brown Babies, the Michelin Kinder Story. I w- started working on it almost two years ago. And, you know, again, it's interesting. It's, it's a story about children, these children who were just, um, they were just forgotten about. They were forgotten um, by their countries, um, by their parents, society. These children were born post-war occupation Germany. Their their mothers were white German women. Their fathers were black American soldiers. And um, the children were basically abandoned. Um, no one wanted to take responsibility for these children. The mothers, um, the situation in Germany at that time, it was just nearly impossible for a woman to keep her biracial child um and During find post a place World War II, right? Post World War II, World II um, in Germany, you know, post Nazi Germany, um, and, and find a place to live, keep a job, you know, not be ostracized by family, friends, society. Um, but the fathers were um, were soldiers, and at that time, um, the Allied soldiers did not have legal responsibility to take care of their children. None of the, the allies did. It wasn't just an American problem. It was just that was that was the, the military, the, the allied law at the time. And um, 
these kids were just sort of like left in orphanages. And I, there were about 5,000 born um, at that time, and I started to interview some of those people who are now um, in their 60s. Some of them stayed in Germany. Some um, were adopted and moved to America. And it was just sort of like what happens to their lives in this little-known part of our history of these children that, you know, sort of nations and armies and families sort of forgot. Well, that's because the term Michelin Kinder is really a derogatory term. But in a historical context, uh, that's what uh, Germany was calling biracial children uh, at that time. Can you explain that a little bit more to the audience? Well, it is a a derogatory um, term. Um, I, I use the term in the movie... Simply, and I and I re- realizing that that is not a, a nice word, but that is you know that was the historically that was the word that was that was used, um, um, and people ask me what does that mean? It's one of those things that you know you people ask about, so that's a way to also bring up this discussion of this this term that is. Um, that, is, that just has uh, negative connotations throughout. Right. But, but again, it gets the conversation going because it's like, uh, what does that mean? And Michelin means um, mixed race and kinder is, is children. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Third Right at the, that time uh, did to gem- demote the German citizens, you know, based on race. They were trying to use that as a way to, I guess, classify and um, when you're dealing with not only that word Michelin Kinder and you're dealing with Jim Crow laws, which existed at that time, you got a pretty explosive uh, topic. What were you able to learn from this? Well, that's one of the reasons that I that I chose this topic. It's because these children were just they they had nowhere to go. And then we and we asked this question in the movie. What what was a better place for these children, Nazi Germany or Jim Crow America? And it's it's not an easy answer. And you will find that the children who lived in Germany, who stayed in Germany as children, they didn't have it easy. But neither did some of the children who came to the U.S. There was no there was no easy answers. And um, you know both nations, um, you know should be held accountable for what what happened. It, it, there there are, there are no easy answers. There's no there's no good guy in this in this case except in the case where individuals one it's the power of one person and we we focus on one woman who took upon, took it upon herself to do something and help rescue these children. A, a, you know, an army of one when you know when the armies and nations did nothing. Um, one woman did set out and try to do what she could to help find loving families for this for these children. And even she had and even she had her own flaws, as we all do. So you know, it, no, there's no like perfect happy solution because. You know, either neither country was, was ideal for these biracial children at that time, and um, you know the children suffered as a result. Mm. Now, when you did your interviews, you interviewed people here in this country. Were you able to find people on the German side as well as the parents? Were you able to interview all all parties in some of these stories? 
there's somebody represented represented in each each side. I have a woman who lived in Germany up until her early 20s. So she spent her childhood in Germany. She did um, immigrate to the U.S. Um, as an adult. Um, the, more, the majority of the children that I interviewed um, were adopted because I was focusing on this one woman who tried to uh, do something about it. So I tried to pick children who were who were connected to this woman. Um, I, I interviewed a father and an, an army um, an army uh, he, he was a he was a private in the army. So I inter- interviewed a dad. Um, I have a biological mother, a German mother. So and, and a historian. So we do have. Um, we, we the story is told through the eyes of a variety of different of a variety of different parent, people primarily the children themselves but we do have children who were raised in the US and in Germany and i understand this film came about partly due to your own personal and professional adversity well you know i i i decided to make this film um at a time when I was sort of, I sort of had nothing to lose. I had, um, in 2008, like a whole lot of people, I had been laid off for work. Um, I, I got another job. It just took a, it took a huge salary cut. And I wasn't really quite, quite um, happy in my job, uh, in my new job. So it was sort of like, I, I, I sort of felt there was a, I had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. I had, um, I had lost a parent, and I, I think because I had had suffered, um, you know, job loss, parent loss, um, in in, a, in one year, I kind of felt like, well, what could go wrong here? Everything that could happen, you know, that the biggies have already happened. Let me take this risk and let me invest in this movie, and I'm not sure that I would have done that. You know, several years before, when I was very comfortable in my career and comfortable in my um, with with my life, and I think I took that um, adversity and that struggle. I think it gave me courage to do things that I probably wouldn't would not have done, and that was and to make this movie. I don't think that I would have taken those risks to. Um, make the film had I not gone through a lot of adversity myself. In this adversity you're talking about, and this is very interesting, you decided to create your own niche. That's what Building Abundant Success is all about. And um, you decided to, to step out and do something really that will add uh, a piece to history because this is something that's really not talked about. Do you see this becoming a part of a college and or a scholastic curriculum? Because I believe this is an important story. Well, yes, a couple things. I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to tell this story was because as a as a news producer, it was a good story to me. It was just so, so fascinating. I know this, I knew the story needed to be told. Number one, I just I knew it needed to be told. I took my personal adversity and decided, okay, I'm going to be the one to tell it. You know, any other time, I probably would not have had the courage to do it, but I felt, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, and and secondly, I mean, we've had 
um, a lot of success. Um, as you mentioned, we won the American Black Film Festival Award for Best Documentary, and um, and that was just an amazing, amazing experience. We've now um, we're now getting um, calls from colleges. We're going to be doing a screening at Howard University, November fifteenth. Um, they are sponsoring the the Blackburn Center. The director's office is sponsoring um, a screening um, in November for the students and the general public. I just got an email today from another you know prominent university about doing a screening as well. So you know I hope that this could be something that is part you know part of. Uh, curriculum um, in colleges, high schools, um, because it is an important part of history that few of us know. I mean, ever since the summer, you know, people are asking, what's a brown baby? What's a brown baby? And then when you put in this Michelin Kinder story, again, it's like, that's another word that nobody, you know, what, what, what does that mean? You know, first of all, how do you say it and what does it mean? And, and, and then when you start learning more and more about it, it's just... You know, people are just, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this. It's something that's not talked about, and uh, we've had many wars, and I'm sure we have many more people who uh, fit that profile of a, a brown baby. What did you learn from the orphans themselves? What was, um, you know, some of their um, triumphs as well as uh, some of their pain? What did you learn from them? Well, I, I found that overall they, and I, I would think, I would imagine that like many adoptees, they, they, they want to belong. But I think what I found with brown babies, which was so unique, is, you know, they want to belong, not only a mother or father belonging, but, you know, black and white belonging, American-German belonging. They just didn't feel like they had a country, a race, or parents. And, and, and that, I think that gives them this sense of, of longing like a lot of us don't understand. And I think that's what I really took home um, from them all. That seems to be the common denominator of just not having a country, a race, just just sort of feeling lost overall, just not having a, a room, a place that they really belong. And a lot of them, because they're only three to 5,000 born at that time and they're spread out all over the world, they're in their 60s and they're just finding out that, oh, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it interesting also that these uh, termed brown babies may have been adult, adopted at later ages than, uh, you know, many people today. Um, rather than getting a newborn infant that was a brown baby, many of them may have been up in years like, say, maybe three, four, five, or six. What was the average age you were able to find in your research of adoption? Well, you know what? I didn't. I didn't really look at that in terms of uh, the statistics. But it is interesting. The children that I interviewed were all in, were all adopted fairly young. Um, from I think one was about thirteen months. The others were toddlers. But since then, I have uh, you know because 
since I've been doing the movie, I've been getting emails from lots of different people and um, just telling me, hey, you know, that was me too. And, you know, I've been getting emails from people who were adopted as teens and, and they say they were just adopted to be like a housekeeper. Things like that, you know, just to okay, we'll take we'll take one, bring them on over, and the person's like 15 years old, and they they get to this home, and and again, they they said to me, you know, I was essentially, um, you know, a housekeeper, but the children that I interviewed um, were adopted fairly young, um, and another woman who was also in the piece. She was not adopted, but she came to the U.S. She married a soldier and came to the U.S. in her 20s. Awesome. So November 15th at Howard University, where are your um, er earlier uh, showings of Brown Babies? Where have you been so far? Well, we've been in uh, Miami for the American Black Film Festival. We were also at the... Uh, the HBO final, finalist, the Martha's Vineyard um, Black Film Festival this summer. Um, we had a screening at uh, the National Association for Black Journalists in Philadelphia, um, and we did a private screening. There is a Black German Cultural Society, and they had a convention um, this summer. We did a, a screening uh, for them. And I'm starting now to, you know, get, to get email requests from, from other schools and universities um, as we, you know, seek um, distribution. Um, and, and the emails keep coming. Well, they should. This is an awesome story. And I'm Thank looking you. forward to coming to one of the, uh, the showings of the film. Now, what do you have on in store outside of Brown Babies? I know that you say that you're reinventing your life with this exciting journey. I know you have some wheels spinning upstairs. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, primarily primarily now it's seeking distribution for Brown Babies, but we're also I'm also in the preliminary stages of what's next and talking to some other filmmakers about um, possibly collaborating on some projects. So we're really on the ground floor stages of some of these uh, other ideas that we're sort of churning and just sort of reaching out to people to see, you know, if there's some a real interest in um, in pursuing some other topics. But it's pretty, it's pretty preliminary now, but, um, you know, We'll, we'll see, but for me, not only does the topic have to be um, important, I have to feel really passionate about it. You know, Brown Babies I worked on, because I, you know, I have a full-time job, you know, I worked on morning, nights, weekends, vacations. I mean, you have to just absolutely love it. I was very fortunate that we won a prestigious award and it's been so well received by so many people. But, you know, had it not been, you still have to love it to do all this. Right. So that next project, I don't know if I'll ever have another Brown Babies because this has been so special. I am so... Um, so blessed, and I am so appreciative that um, the people, the brown babies, share their stories with me because they are so very, very personal. You know, they really, they really spill their guts of uh, the ups and downs of their lives. I mean, people, there's not a dry eye that walks out of this theater. Um, the theaters 
based on the experiences of the brown babies. And, you know, I'm so grateful that they trusted me to share these very, very, very personal, heart-wrenching uh, stories because, you know, their lives were were not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and reading a lot of this, it's something that, number one, you're um, fascinated by, but also when you hear some of the testimonies from the people, um, one lady, you know, saying that uh, she felt dirty and whatnot, and I'm thinking, wow, to have that uh, thrown on you as a kid? Wow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's overwhelming, (laughs) you know, wow. It is, uh, and and you think about it, they were so young, and at that time, you know, in the 1950s, there weren't these support groups, and there weren't help, and, you know, back in those days, it was just sort of like if you have a children, you have a child, even if you get adopted into a good home, at that time, you know, child rearing was, you know, having a roof over your head, food, clothing, you know, their their mental health wasn't really a priority, you know, especially looking back at that time. I don't, I, there's no um, disrespect to their parents, but that was just a different era. But these kids just had so much more to overcome. Um, and uh, one of the, our historians, she says, you know, in Germany at that time, Germany was just basically a, a white state. Its notion of goodness, of beauty, of of everything good is white. And these children were reared in that environment for several years. So, you know, they have so much in their head to try to, like, overcome mentally. Um, and, you know, to, to have to do that all by yourself at such a young age, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, and also, I mean, we're talking way before my time, coming to America and then living through the evolution of not just the Jim Crow that they came into, um, all the different changes in American history if they happen to come to this country, um, just uh, integration. Absolutely. Seeing things evolve and change must have been rather an interesting time period because you're, you're dealing not only with uh, being born into a certain culture and belief, but then you're seeing changing beliefs. And I'm sure that they had to wonder, well, gee, how do we fit in here now? Yeah, <laughs> no, ab- absolutely. It, it was, they got, received a lot of mixed messages. And, mm-hmm. you know, and to have to figure, figure that all out at such a young age. It, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, oh, one of the one of the people, um, the, the historian, she's doing um, additional research. So we only touch. We didn't touch on it a lot in the film, um, but you know, a lot of according to to some research, um, you know, there were a lot of suicides in that, and among those children because it was just it was it was a pretty heavy situation. My heavens. And that and the, that research is is, go, is going on now. So I, I I don't have facts and figures, but um, you know there was it, it it was it was very hard, and um, um, I think the suicide rate is, is much higher than the general popul- population. I was wondering, the person, the socialite who did a lot of uh, helping the brown babies, what happened to her? She. She uh, helped facilitate 
There's a lot of different numbers, but we, the movie purposes, we're going with 500, but some people say even thousands. She, she um, helped facilitate the, the adoption of at least hundreds of brown babies. She raised uh, adopted children herself. Um, she was a newspaper correspondent. Um, she, she died at the age of, I believe, 88. Um, early two thousand, early in in two thousand. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember. I don't remember the date. We have it in the film, but I just I don't remember the date off the top of my head. Um, but you know, she went went on to raise um, twelve, eleven children herself. Twelve, one child, one child uh, died, but there were eleven surviving siblings. I wonder what she was going through during the time all this was happening, how she was received, and the things she went through. It would be an interesting to find that out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that's one of the things that we're talking about, maybe even doing something just on her. But um, her children just say that she was a remarkable, remarkable woman um, who just saw it as God calling her to... This was her call from God to do this. That's what her what her children say, and um, you know she did it until you know she got some pressure on her, and then you know eventually eventually stopped. Um, but at, by that time, um, some of the children were not coming to being adopted to America because of. The racial unrest and the civil rights movement in this country, there were concerns that America might not be the best place for them, and um, they started adopting out the children to to other other uh, countries as well. Well, this is a great piece of uh, history that needs to be heard, and I'm really happy that you've been our guest tonight. So you say the November 15th showing at Howard University and many more to come. If people wanted to find out more information on brown babies, can you give us some information on where we can locate this? Yes, our website is uh, brownbabiesproject.com, and we're also on Facebook. And so we put all the latest information um, about screenings on the site. Ticket, more ticket information about the Howard um, event will be coming um, um, in the near future because it's still about a month off, but we just, you know, nailed down the date, and we are very excited. Howard is very excited, and it will not only be for students, but the general public as well. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest with us tonight. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it so much. It's been a delight to be with you today. Thank you. God bless. God bless.